It's the Fit Doc Podcast with Dr. Reed. Hey, Fit Fam. Welcome to another episode of the Fit Doc Michelle Reed Podcast. Our guest today is social worker Yolanda Hutchinson, and she's going to talk about mental health, especially mental health for our young people in our life. One of the things that I'm excited about is because as a family practice physician, a lot of times people don't want to talk about mental health. So we're going to sort of really talk about it at a deeper level. Yolanda is a native of Hempstead and she currently resides on Long Island. She earned a bachelor's of science degree in parks and recreation from North Carolina Central University and a master's of social work from none other than right on Long Island, Adelphi. She is very passionate about helping other people and recently was appointed to the position of superintendent of the Village of Hempstead Parks and Recreation. In her free time, Ms. Hutchinson enjoys meeting people. She loves spending time with her family. And like me, she is also an Amazon best-selling author, except she wrote a book for children. Now, before we jump in and get started talking to Ms. Hutchison, I just want to talk about one thing that's really bothering me is mental health affecting families and especially our young children. And I want people to really pay attention to the nonverbal social cues that our children are exhibiting. And sometimes it's a change in their behavior where they might act out or all of a sudden they become a little withdrawn. And when you see these things that are going on with your child, the best thing is to ask their child if everything is okay. Because sometimes children wanna talk to us, but they don't really know how to start the conversation. So whether or not you are a parent or a teacher or an aunt or a godmother or a godfather, watch for any changes of behavior for our young people in our life. There is nothing wrong with you approaching them if you see that something's a little different because they go through the same changes that we do as far as anxiety, depression, feeling excited about things, but then also the next moment feeling sad because something is different in our life. So please talk to your child, talk to the young people in your life, And if you feel that they do need counseling, check in and find somebody that will help them with their coping skills that they need. Because it's important that if we're going through something, that we also recognize if our children are going through something too. So jumping right in with none other than social worker Yolanda Hutchison. Hello, hello, Dr. Reed. Fit Doc and the Fit Fam, thank you so much for having me on. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. So how do you think COVID affected not only the kids, but families in general? Sure. Um, It's very tricky because when COVID hit, a lot of us didn't really know what was going on and how things were going to play out. But for sure, one of the things um, that COVID has affected children and families is number one. One of the things, especially for children, is, you know, their education. Like we send our kids to school typically every day, right? Mm -hmm. And what happened in the middle of COVID when things got shut down, right? Our educational system shut down. And that was um, 
really difficult for a lot of a lot of families, a lot of children. You know, so number one, it's like when kids are now kids are at home, they have to be educated at home. Who's staying home with the kids? <laughs> you know, and so that really has um, affected the families because number one, things had to shift pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to put a plan in place. Who's staying home mm-hmm. with the kids? Is your job allowed you to stay home? You know, with the kids for those of us who were, you know, um, essential workers. Mm-hmm. Like yes. So. Who's there educating our kids? Who's going to be there? So definitely with all the changes that happened, that meant the mental health is, is, is on top, you know, but with the families, a lot, some families jobs, they weren't equipped to say, Hey, you can work from home. A lot of parents Mm -hmm. weren't able to work from home. So guess what? A lot of our families lost jobs. That means loss of income, Mm -hmm. you know, surviving on one income to no income food insecurities and many different things. So it really has affected um, our families, uh, which in turn affects our children. So now what were some of the things that you started to see during COVID with our young people? And then it still has carried over now um, as far as their behavior or even their interaction with their friends and their family. Sure. So one of the things uh, since school has shut down, um, we were in the height of COVID, a lot of our children were in a room by themselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, on a screen, being educated. And so when they're used to social interaction, we send our kids not only to be educated, but there's a social component to being physically in the space, being physically with our peers and our mm-hmm. teachers and administrators. So a lot of kids felt isolated, you know. Um, and that really has affected um, the kids, you know, being at home by themselves or with their parents and not having that interaction. And this has really carried over uh, back into school. Mm-hmm. And so how do you say, how, how does that fit in? Um, a lot of our children didn't want to return return back to school mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they didn't really know how to, um, you know, interact, especially our small ones who really at kindergarten, um, didn't have that interaction to begin with (laughs) with the little COVID kids. So, and those who gotten older, like middle school and high school ages. So a lot of them felt like, okay, feel like isolated. They didn't have their peers. And when they went into the school, you have some sort of anxiety going Mm -hmm. back into school. That was very huge. Mm -hmm. And a lot of parents, you know, asked me, how do I transition my child back into that space? Some kids, I think, as a, it was a period in between where the school district will allow you to stay home too, mm-hmm. and some, some transition back into the um, educational spaces. Mm-hmm. And now, what were some of the things that you recommended for parents to do? Because I think that those skills are still needed. Um, even how I see, you know, because I'm a school district physician for a couple of school districts, and I see the way the children interact on the football field or when they're playing volleyball, you know, a lot of them still don't feel comfortable talking to each other, less long their coach who is older, they can't even talk to each other. So what should we be doing to encourage children? Because of course, it's good for them to play sports. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps with their mental health. But also, how else can we encourage them to learn how to really communicate about how they're feeling? And like you said, that communication is is really important. And so I know before people even got back into school, a lot of parents, you see a lot of parents setting up play dates, 
even during the COVID time to, because mm -hmm. they saw a need that they, they were lacking in that social connection with their peers, you know? So when they get back into the space, I know sometimes, you know, even before COVID, the technology has <laughs> kind of taken over and some of our kids socially don't know how to adapt. Mm -hmm. But I think as parents um, and teachers or educators or whatever, use the opportunity to say, hey, if you have children in the room, maybe they're in the field, ball field or in a volleyball court, use those moments to say, hey, you know, try to foster that communication between the peers and the coaches. Mm -hmm. you know, even in the park, I try to find an opportunity where you see these kids, they, they could be in the same room and not talk. Mm -mm. And everyone's busy, like on their phone, and they'll take a picture, and then they'll snap something, and they'll go back to their phone, and they're yeah. standing right next to each other. Exactly, absolutely. So, and I try to to tell the young people, I'm like, go and ask and see. Look, what grade is that person in? Is this person go to your school? You know, is it something that you might have in common? Or if you're in there playing basketball together, like, conversate about that. Put the phones down. So now, since you brought about the park, so you did a recent transition from working purely as a social worker in the field to now being a park superintendent. Yes. So what made you do that transition? And I know for a fact, because we already had this conversation, but share with everyone else like how your skills as a social worker work in the field that you currently are in. Yeah, so I worked... As a social worker for about 14 years, 15 years in my local county uh, government. And um, I have an undergrad degree, like you stated, in parks and recreation. Mm -hmm. And this definitely was a switch. But when I say my skills as a social worker definitely translate into parks and recreation. Because when you think about it, at the parks, you have people accessing the park on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I have those who, who are children who um, may have some difficult issues at home. Some kids um, who maybe have food insecurity. You have families who are in need of services, be it homework or healthcare. Um, you have substance abuse users that might be there, the homeless. So as many different things where the social work skills come into play on a daily basis mm -hmm. for me as a, you know, as a park superintendent. So now do you have like at your park access for people that if maybe... Um, they're having problems with getting adequate food that you can refer them to someplace? Or are you relying on your skill set that you had from before knowing, okay, they need to go here? Yeah. So I do have, you know, at the park, I try to set up like a little corner or a little information station of brochures of, I know that when I worked in a social worker in the community, these nonprofit organizational organizations who help families Mm -hmm. And so if they come to me, I can direct them towards that way to get some information, to pick it up and read at their own leisure. Or I'm definitely tapping into the resources in my community. And the one thing about me having access to space um, where I am is that I have partnered with nonprofit organizations, healthcare organizations to come to bring those resources to the park. Okay. So the you know families can come out and say, hey, okay, or if I need a job, or if I need, um, you know, screening, uh, blood pressure screening, um, eyes to be checked, my teeth, my children's teeth to be checked. Those are the things where I bring that to the park. So let me ask you a question. I mean, because it makes sense because people are there. 
But do other parks have these same resources or is this because this is Miss Yolanda Hutchison's park and she's going to make sure that she provides for her community? Um, I'm not sure exactly if, you know, um, if all the parks have that, but I think it's a little special for me because I, I refer to myself now as a social worker running a park system. Mm -hmm. but my, you know, my previous job training definitely translate to what um, I'm bringing. That's my special skill set to bring um, to the park. And, you know, I know sometimes if I've gone to like different um, events at different parks, they do have stuff that like flyers you might see of different mm -hmm. community events that's up maybe a health fair or job fair um, or someone coming to speak to the community about particularly mm -hmm. like recently we had um, an organization come in, I think it's family and children's association talk about marijuana and the effects of marijuana um, or some understanding to give to the general public. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to say like you put your twist because of who you are, but I think that would be a great idea for you. I mean, cause as a doctor, we have our, national conferences so maybe when parks and recreation has a national conference this could be like your little thing that you bring to them so that they could really think about okay well we bring this in but what if we have this more on a regular basis like we do back on long island ah you bring a very good point <laughs> i just recently was in uh dallas texas for um this is my first time going to the national recreation and parks association conference and I got a chance to listen to what other parks are doing around mm -hmm. the nation in regards to, um, you know, I guess the health equity and so many different things where you wouldn't even think that's associated with a park, mm -hmm. but it all kind of ties into wellness. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, that's my opinion, but it ties into like, you know, having parks and recreation where you have a safe space, you have a, a space where you can come and recreate and um, do other things like biking and walking and stuff that can enhance all of our lives. So now I know that you love to exercise and you come up with so many different little memes that are always involving me. <laughs> oh, is that Dr. Reed? Dr. Reed says, I need to do da da da. And then right. you're like, well, maybe this is what she was talking about. But that means that you have embodied what we talk about, about the importance of you taking care of your health. So what are some of the things that you do? And you also encourage your family and the community. And now as your position as superintendent of parks and recreation, how do you encourage those around you to also be healthy? I say lead by example. And, and I'll, I'll use you too as well. Like you, you are my doctor, but you're also um, uh, a, a fit doctor, also a trainer. So you have to lead by example. Um, and I try to do that. And that's when I show up in my little videos that I do on social media. So it's not just for me, you know, just for, for me, but it's also for others. And they notice, and, and, and I do it in a fun way. And, you know, I challenge everybody to, to, to just get moving a little bit. That's all you got to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes me and the kids will take a walk around the park or me and an employee will get out and do something small or go downstairs to exercise. So I just try to lead by example. And I think for children as well, you have to make it in a fun way mm -hmm. to kind of connect to them for those who may not see anybody in their lives exercise on a daily basis. You know, that's one thing I, I was telling parents, you can use a reward system, mm -hmm. you know, just like teachers do in school. Um, so if you like, let's go out and let's do this activity and maybe this little reward uh, or treat 
could um enhance you not enhance but also encourage our young people no that's interesting that you say that because um you got to just be careful about what experiences you give to your children because <laughs> i remember when the boys were probably like eight nine years old i would you know work two late nights um a week so that means that i would go to work a little later like 11 o'clock in the morning so I would have them doing like 10 miles, like riding a bicycle twice a week. <laughs> but you know, that created our bonding time that helped them to stay fit. That was me modeling to them about the importance of exercise, because guess what? Mommy's exercising before, you know, she goes yeah. to work. And now, you know, one of them is waking up at five o'clock in the morning while he's in college and he goes to exercise. He's waking me up. I'm like, who's texting me? <laughs> and it will be him exercising while the other one, you know, he does his thing and then he exercises after he goes to class. So I think by what you just said, modeling is what we need to make sure that we're doing. And it's not only for parents, it's for any adult because children and young people are watching what we do and if we're not practic practicing what we're preaching we are hypocrites yeah and they will be quick to ignore us because they don't feel that we are being sincere yeah and now you didn't tell us what your secret was as far as your exercise routine right once i get into the routine because sometimes i don't want to i get up at 5 30 in the morning to go to to, to exercise mm -hmm. um, but that really sets the tone for me for the day that helps me with my my mental health. It helps me, and as a benefit, it enhances my physical my physical health, mm -hmm. you know. And so um, that I don't want to say motivation is always the thing, but I know there are benefits to a lifestyle. And I don't want to say a diet or whatever I'm doing is a fad, but it's a lifestyle mm -hmm. that's going to help me out because I know like maybe my ancestors weren't able to do these things mm -hmm. or lack of resources or whatever. Um, I've never seen my mom get up in the morning to exercise, let alone my grand. I never heard of my grandparents doing so. Mm -hmm. And I understand that we come from a different um, time, mm -hmm. but that's just for me. It's just a short for myself as a part of my self care to help to help me out. So now I have two more questions. Okay. One is is that all of a sudden I saw you on social media <laughs> um, doing ads for a doctor's office. So how did that happen? Yeah, so I had um, went to uh, these varicose veins that uh, are blessing my legs in my 40s. <laughs> so I went to a vein doctor to find out what's going on. And I did a quick TikTok because I was in the doc, had nothing to do. So I'm waiting on the doctor. And I ended up doing um, a TikTok just to, you know, about my experience. And then a year later, someone from one of the secretaries from the office, they were doing some rebranding and marketing. And they said, wait a minute, we saw this young lady do a TikTok last year. And can we invite her in as an actual patient to talk about her experience? And so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then my last question is, yeah. what is one thing about you that I probably don't know, and most people don't know about you. Oh, one thing I don't know. Mm. I would say I, I, I'm. I'm hmm. I don't want to say I love to read or anything like that. Something, uh -huh. but I recently have become a more spiritual. I'm kind of tapped into another um, uh, level of spirituality. 
Mm-hmm. And that has helped me and probably in not some non-traditional ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy going to Reiki. Um, mm. I love meditating um, as a part of my wellness journey. So that's maybe something that people may not know about me. Maybe the meditation, because sometimes I take I take that, but the Reiki is, um, I, I, I truly enjoy that. Wow. I love Reiki. I haven't gone though in the past, maybe about three years. Okay. But we're going to talk offline about that. Yes. <laughs> well, Ms. Hutchison, if anybody would like to reach you just to talk further or even purchase your book, because I have my book here. Um, Where's your book? My book is right here in my children's book. <laughs> yes. So there is your end. What is the title of your book? It's called Shanti Safe Place. And um, it's really a child sex abuse awareness uh, book for children. And now what inspired you to write that book? I, um, before I got my job at, um, as superintendent of parks and recreation, I investigated sex abuse cases for children here in the County that I live in. Mm-hmm. And so based on my experience in talking to little kids, they were really, um, uh, hard to talk about the subject mm. as well as parents being comfortable to talk about the subject. Mm-hmm but really having the empower our children to say no to, about their bodies. Like everybody cannot touch your body. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just a tool that uh, parents can use or educators, doctors uh, to use to talk about that subject so for a subject that's so sensitive in our community and other communities. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. So Ms. Hutchison, if anybody wants to reach you or even purchase your book, um, how can they get in contact with you? Sure. Um, my website is uh, YolandaHutcherson.com, or you can find me on social media under Garnering Greatness on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook as a Yolanda Hutcherson. All right. Perfect. Yeah. So thank you so much, Yolanda Hutchinson, for being on the Fit Doc Michelle Reed podcast. And we're going to slide right into our next session, which is called In Real Life. So in real life, everybody usually just thinks that as a doctor, that all you do is just see patients. So as a doctor, especially as a family practice doctor, I do see patients, but I like to be involved in other things. Recently, I was reappointed by the National Medical Association to be in charge of one of the sections. So throughout the country, this is a collection of Black doctors. Um, and what we do is we have different sections, family medicine, internal medicine, preventative medicine, community medic- medicine. We even have diving medicine. There's all the different specialties. So I'm in charge of the physician executive section. So recently we had, I attended my first board meeting for the National Medical Association. And it was a lot of fun because sometimes, especially as a doctor, you sort of feel alone because you're seeing your patients, but you don't get a chance to interact with other physicians. And I found out that we're all going through the same things. You know, we were really deeply affected by COVID. Um, We have people who are changing careers from, you know, not still practicing and seeing patients, but some people decide that they wanna become a medical examiner or maybe even go into the field of occupational medicine. So I am really excited about my appointment because that also helps me to interact with doctors who are executives like myself, because as a business owner, I am considered an executive. 
And I can also help develop topics that we can further where we are and maybe even help people who are trying to transition from being on the clinical aspect of medicine and maybe aspiring to go into the C-suite. So I am so excited about this opportunity, but that is in real life. And that's a behind the scenes as what I do when I'm not necessarily seeing patients. I love interacting with my colleagues. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Fit Doc Michelle podcast. Please like the episodes. Please share what you've learned. Please share about it to other people because we are not only on Facebook and Instagram, but we're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We are out and about and I listen to what you want to hear about and I bring topics. So please let us know if there's anything else that you would like to hear from. But as always, thank you for your support and tune in soon for the next episode of Fit Doc Michelle Reed Podcast. It's the Fit Doc Podcast with Dr. Reed.